Join us at our annual conferences in London, Florida and Sydney to learn everything you need to know about ITAM in the cloud era. For more details, head to itassetmanagement.net forward slash events. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review and today uh, I've got another podcast with uh, Kylie Fowler. Uh, Kylie was on episode 29 and we had so much to talk about that we thought we'd do another revisit of uh, some other topics with Kylie and in particular we're talking about uh, what we're going to call XS uh, which sounds a bit, might, might, is, is that rude? I don't know if that's rude. Uh, but it's XAAS, so um, platform as a service, infrastructure as a service, software as a service, or XAAS or XAS. Um, does that does that sound rude to you, Kylie? Does that sound legit? I think XS sounds fine. Cool. Um, if so, anything, it exemplifies the potential excess that could arise from XAS. Nice, nice, nicely done. Yeah. Nice transition. So, well, <laughs> welcome, Kylie, again to the podcast. Um, uh, Kylie is from uh, a company called ITAM Intelligence. Again, do you want to give us a quick introduction to your company and what you do, Kylie? Sure. So, I am a very experienced IT asset manager, but at the moment, what I'm doing is helping companies improve their own IT asset management. So, working with internal IT ITAM people to improve their, their processes and think about how they can do things a bit better. And also coaching people, um, particularly with some of the management skills that can be quite difficult to learn, but which is so important when you want to actually drive change through an organisation. Uh, I also provide licensing advice and support and also um, specialise in negotiations with some of the big vendors and also mergers and acquisitions. So a real mixed bag, actually. I should probably try and be a bit more focused. Where's the fun in that? Cool. So, so welcome to the podcast. So, um, our conference um, season is upon us in the next couple of months, and we've called it ITAM in a cloud era. And um, although cloud is only uh, probably a tiny proportion, maybe even single digit proportion of spend for a lot of people, we've called it ITAM in a cloud era because a lot of the vendors' focus and their negotiations is about trying to get people to cloud. So. Um, you know, any agreement that you're signing these days has inevitably got some cloud uh, components in it or, or a transition to cloud. What's your view of the the, uh, the the cloud market at the moment? Are you seeing that as well? People have cloud within their agreements, but not necessarily represented in spend? Absolutely. Uh, I think that in fact these days to sign an agreement that doesn't have an element of cloud is probably quite unusual and the vendors must take companies that insist on it. Um, I think certainly some vendors like Microsoft for instance have actually got a lot smarter and even though there's no, uh, so, they're, so they're actually saying you know, you've got to go to cloud. We, what we don't want is for you to be buying licenses and then not using them. 
we absolutely want you to be actually using them, sending data up into our into our servers uh, all around the world and uh, and actually accessing that data. So I think I think if you're signing an agreement that includes cloud, but you're not actively implementing cloud, there's a big problem there, and you're probably um, signing your life away for something that is really got going to have very little value for you. Um, the smart vendors aren't really allowing you to do that these days. You have to actually be using it. And the only way to get the best prices is actually to demonstrate how you're going to start using it. So if you're negotiating with Microsoft, for instance, Microsoft, you, you'll find that your pricing will be a lot better if you can actually demonstrate to Microsoft that you're going, that you've got concrete plans. Uh, and the other thing is that you'll be able to access a load of additional benefits to help you make migrations and things like that um, that are really quite valuable if that's your intention. Now, if you're not intending to go to cloud and you're not actually making it much use of it, then I would seriously question, um, I would sort of consider how you're negotiating and what your negotiating tactics are. And you can use it as leverage, obviously. But, um, I've heard of a few companies. I've heard of a few companies yeah, um, negotiating with Oracle, and um, mm. and saying to Oracle, "Yeah, I'll take your cloud uh, A to shut mm. you up, to shut you up, and B to get a better discount because the sales rep is, you know, getting five times revenue or whatever the latest incentive is to to get the cloud, and they're and they're just taking it just to get Oracle off their back." And sweeten the deal, yeah, and, and 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 that and, and I know that Microsoft are a bit ahead of the curve in terms of they want people to actually yeah. use the cloud, but there's a whole world of if that is the case, um, and I'd love to know what the actual usage of Oracle Cloud is versus spent versus actual um, con, you know yeah. subscription. If that is the case, uh, Oracle have got a whole world of pain in terms of um, revenue recognition issues and uh, yeah. failing customers to deal with in the future, haven't they? Yes. And, and remember what I said about smart vendors. Right. <laughs> um, Microsoft's a smart vendor. Um, I've, I've done deals with um, Ariba, for instance. And again, the emphasis in, in that deal was, look, you need to actually be using stuff. Um, you're right, though. Raise the cloud, front, cloud flag in front of Oracle, and, and they do jump to attention. Actually, um, so so yes, uh, you do. I, sh I should probably come from a uh, from the company's perspective, you know, uh, as the person doing the negotiation on behalf of a customer, because you know, if, if the waving the cloud flag helps, that's brilliant. Do it, but recognise that the smart companies want to actually see evidence that you're going to be using their cloud, because you're right. Otherwise, there's huge revenue recognition issues. The marketing company. Their marketing um, frames are hollow. And not least, if you're you buying something and not using it, it's not sticky. These companies are moving away from the world of perpetual revenues and, and Oracle's, you know, Oracle survives for years very, very happily on its um, matching support uh, requirements so that even if you're no longer using some licenses, you, you either have to terminate them or you need to continue paying support. I mean, what a, what a gig that Oracle's been on. Well, cloud doesn't work like that. If you if you're not using it, then you can just cancel it. It's not sticky. So um, 
yeah, smart vendors will want to see how, that you're actually moving to cloud and actually going to be using their product. So what do you think this means for, for an ITAM practitioner point of view? Yes, we're not, you know, we haven't got large amounts of cloud spend yet. For most large corporates, they're still working on perpetual stuff. But what does it mean in the next few years in terms of the skills they might need? What what is, is it, you know, my view has always been that it's the same old ITAM principles, but the territory is changing a little bit. But, it's, you know, the, 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 the underlying principles are still the same. What, what do you think? The underlying principles are, are still the same, but how we actually do them in practice is going to change. And to be brutally frank, a lot of software asset managers have got away with just focusing on compliance and just focusing on, on uh, making sure that they're audit ready, which is not necessarily been adding value to their company. Cloud is going to force IT asset managers and software asset managers to do something they should have been doing all along, which is engaging with the actual design of solutions and environments to make sure that they're manageable. Software asset managers historically have just taken whatever it is that's already been deployed. You know, you might do a little bit of software harvesting, but you know what, the big mistakes, the really big ticket, high, high cost mistakes are all made long before you even know the, most, the majority of software asset managers know something's been installed. Software asset managers should have been engaging with solutions architects, BAs, the service design people all along, and they, they didn't for a variety of reasons, many of which we talked about on our previous call when we talked about women in IT asset management. But, but XS is going to force software asset managers and IT asset managers to engage a lot earlier because otherwise you're going to end up in a situation where the design is just leaking cash. And it's not going to be a one-off hit like it is with perpetual licenses where you just buy the licenses you need and effectively just true and true up. Every time, every second that a virtual machine is running in the cloud and it doesn't actually need to be there, it's going to cost your company money. So, so IT asset managers are going to have to make sure that they poke their noses in at a lot earlier in the IT service management life cycle to make sure that they understand exactly what's being used, who's using it, how that, whether it's being designed cost effectively, to ensure that we can measure the value of that virtual machine or that piece of software, and then when it no longer brings sufficient value to the business, it's now costing more to run than the business is making from that piece of software that they then work with project managers and program managers and the, and the enterprise architects to ensure that that's recognised and then to get stuff switched off. Isn't that a bit scary for people that are maybe used to old world SAM and ITAM? But this, this involves going to speak to people and engaging with strangers and stuff like that. Isn't that a bit scary? Mm -hmm. Yep. It is, and it's doubly difficult because <clears throat> not only do you have to go and have these difficult conversations about stuff that actually, no, but it's all tech stuff. I don't understand it. And these are people who are deeply technical, but you've got to go and have these conversations with them and engage with them. But a lot of them aren't really going to understand why you're, what you're trying to achieve from this. It's super difficult. It's 
it's very challenging. And what what do you think about the um, the the tools and the and the 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 technology to track some of this stuff? Have you got as far as exploring any of that yet? No, I don't. Um, I haven't actually, and. I think actually in some ways it's not necessarily something that IT asset managers need need or have to be skilled in. Unless you're also unless you're in the unfortunate position of being a service asset and configuration manager and configuration management also falls within your remit. Because actually the the thing about that is that it is or, or, or XSAS, any part of anything that's in the cloud, is actually just one element of a much bigger IT service that you're providing to your customers, whether that's, um, you know, whether you're a non-profit or a, or, a, or a private company, you know, you, you have people in that company who are using IT services, they're your customers. So understanding how XSAS fits within that broader picture of how those services are provided to your customers is actually the the, the role of configuration management. Now configuration management historically has been very focused on making sure that operations run smoothly, um, supporting change management to do impact analysis to understand what impact changes might have on actual IT services if those changes fail. But actually understanding that big picture, that end-to-end -end, uh, picture of, okay, we've got a business unit, they, they use this, they consume this IT service, this IT service is made up of, of uh, you know, these elements of platform as a service, for instance, you know, Oracle databases in the cloud or whatever, but then there's also some other middleware that might be on-prem. You know, you're going to build up these incredibly complex hybrid environments. And to be honest, IT asset managers are never going to have the skills to track those. So configuration management is going to become much more important. And, and so, People need to be engaging with the technical people who understand what's what. IT asset managers need to engage with the technical people who understand what is what and not necessarily worry too much about the tech stuff. But they need to make sure that the tech stuff is managed in such a way that they can then go and do their own job, which is understanding how all of these, these services translate back into cost so how much in, in, uh, all of these services are costing because, like I said, every second a virtual machine is switched on, there's a cost associated with that. And then making sure that the people who are actually using those services understand those costs so they can decide whether or not the value is there. And if, the, and if they're not getting, you know, the, the £100,000 a year it costs to run a service, or the millions of pounds a year it costs to run a service, then you need to be able to give the business the tools to be able to turn around and say, well, you know what, actually, we don't want this service anymore. We'll, we'll find a cheaper solution or we'll just decide to do without or, you know, we'll try and, and now shift it somewhere else um, so that we're not paying that amount of money. And that's going to become the IT asset manager's role, much more than the whole compliance piece. But do configuration managers... It's, as we know, know it today, traditionally. Do, sorry, do, Don. Do, do configuration managers know how to do this stuff either? Because what you've just described, call me cynical, but it's, mm. it smells like a CMDB, um, like this you know, purple unicorn that is nice concept yes. that nobody's actually done. 
and I can no. I can imagine it coming back on the desk of ITS managers still to figure out because the config guys won't be able to do it properly. Well, quite possibly, but um, I guess to a certain extent, that's where you then are picking up the configuration management role and need to work with the config managers to try and and get them to provide the need, you know, to provide what it is that you that you need. I mean, the the, the way you do configuration manage, management has historically been to think about what is it that's important from an operations perspective and manage that. So config has been so, it's so complex that they have to limit their scope very much in order to even achieve anything of value. Because if you try and boil the ocean, it becomes impossible. And that's why a lot of configuration management projects fail because they are trying to boil the ocean and control everything. So that becomes, that understanding of scope becomes even more important when you're comparing, understanding what's on cloud, what's on-prem, and who's using what. So the, so the, but it fundamentally is configuration management. And I think, you know, we need to recognize that that understanding of the technical stuff is going to become much more important than it used to be. And the reason is because people used to be able to sweat their assets. You'd buy a, a server and you'd stick it in your basement and it would just run. And occasionally somebody might need to fiddle with it and turn it off and turn it back on or, or whatever. But, you know, it would just run and run and run and run. And, and in cloud, if you just let stuff run and run and run and run and run, you're going to have a huge cost associated with that. So even though it's bloody difficult, I can tell you what needs to be done. And actually, I think every single organization of any size that's starting to use cloud are all sitting back thinking, well, we can see what needs to be done, but how the hell do we do it? Everyone's got the same problem that you're, you know, that you're raising. It is difficult. Config managers don't seem to get a grip on this. So if they don't have a grip on it, who does? Is it going to end up back on IT asset management's plate? Well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. So, you know, I, I think we need to, to recognize that actually how we manage this stuff is it's very new and 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 a lot of people are, are having are, are trying to solve this conundrum and and i think you look at the traditional sam tools model they had they use agents so we'll, we'll put an agent on it we'll track what's being used yep. and you can track compliance yep. and then when virtualization came along they said oh, okay there's another there's a virtual machine so we just put our agent in the virtual machine we can track that as well mm. And then when mobile devices yeah. came along the tablets, we can put an agent on them. But then you bring SaaS mm. along, and there is no yeah. agent to deploy. Um, and even in yeah. even in public cloud, you, you'll have a job getting your agent on somebody else's machine in a public cloud. Yeah. Um, so it, it requires a whole new sort of paradigm in terms of monitoring. And mm -hmm. I don't think the SAM tools are quite up to speed yet. They're, they're beginning, but they're not mm. going to be the complete solution because they're stuck in a sort of agent-based uh, tracking usage yep. whereas you could be using a cloud app on your personal phone or on your personal tablet or you know mm. anywhere and wouldn't necessarily yes. have an agent tracking it um the, the thing i've re, thing i've seen recently is a company called xylo which is a new startup mm. which says go into my accounts payable records and find cloud spend yep. and then go and look yep. at single sign-on to see what people are actually logging into, which is, I think, is a new way of looking at yeah. things. But I think, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. A new, it's a whole new set of skills and tools and techniques that we're going to need. 
Um, and it's almost like having a it's having this like rogue mobile beer, isn't it? That you haven't really you can't actually mm-hmm. see what's being used. You just potentially rack up a huge bill uh, based on consumption. Yeah. Yep. yep. I think most most vendors have a pretty good idea of what it is you're using. Um, and I think they do that for two reasons. One, of course, is they need to run their own services. We've got to recognise that in the old days, they just sell you a licence. And that was a piece of code that had been designed 10 years previously and they've you know, been tweaking with it on a regular basis ever since. But basically, there's the margin on any given sale of a perpetual licence is huge, you know, 98%. All it is is a bit of marketing and then, you know, the cost of somebody to sit down and, and get you to sign. But all the SaaS and cloud and, and XSAS stuff, there's real service behind it. There's real people managing these servers. There's, um, there's stuff that has an ongoing cost associated with it, security co- ongoing security costs as well to, to make it all safe. So the margin on any given SaaS sale is a lot lower. But what that means in practice is these big companies have to have really, really tight management processes themselves. They need to be able to forecast demand. They need to know who's using what. Um, And so you can guarantee that all that information is in there. Now, whether or not they're either, they're A, going to give it to you, or B, give it to you in a form that's particularly useful are two good questions. And you need to address those right at the beginning of your negotiations. Um, how, how are we? And this goes back to, you know, we need to be engaging with our architects and service design and when we and with our procurement people or when we're negotiating our stuff. We need to think about all of this stuff a lot earlier, a lot more upstream than we traditionally have been. Um, because it's all out there. Otherwise, these companies would not be able to maintain the uptime that they do. But, how, but we all, we're all going to have to develop new ways of working, both vendors and customers, to, to get our hands on the information that we need to, to manage this stuff. And that's once we figured out what it is that we need to manage it. I remember seeing a, um, a presentation in, I think it was in Dubai, in um, mm-hmm. this, well, oh, crikey, when's that going to be? Probably early, early noughties, and it was from Remedy, uh, or BMC, I think BMC just bought Remini, whenever that was, and the guy was talking about this this newfangled concept called business service management, which is basically right. uh, the, the way he tried to articulate it was that if this uh, server fell over, you know, we didn't measure it in terms of incident and problems and all this sort of stuff. We measured it in terms of widgets not being cranked or shipped yes. by the business. Yes. In revenue terms, um, and it was it was a case of joining up the business impact versus the configuration management stuff that you spoke of earlier, um, yeah. which is all sort of ITIL sort of service management sort of stuff. But we're almost saying that our ITS managers need need to get geared up on this sort of stuff, don't we? Is that what you're saying? I am, and and I think ITIL very much. Configuration management, the ideal is that you manage every single thing. And I think we shouldn't be doing that because, like I said, you can't boil the ocean. It's too complicated. So we need to pick out the important elements that 
we do need to manage. And the reason they will be important is because they're the riskiest. Sorry, the riskiest. They have the biggest impact. If they do fall over, they're the most expensive. You know, any, any number of reasons might be why we decide we're going to track and manage something. Um, but the important thing to, to do is to make sure that a, it's designed well, so it's designed efficiently and effectively and above all designed so that we can manage it. And that's really difficult. That's, that's not easy um, because a lot of people just don't understand why it's an issue. But equally, we then need to be able to take that stuff and translate what that means to the business. So say you've got, I don't know, an Oracle environment that's sort of, you know, it's got some databases and it's got some middleware and... Um, you know, and, and the CRM systems relying on it. Um, the business don't care about how much that's going to cost. Uh, sort of what the detail is in there. That what they care about is how much that's going to cost, um, and then understanding what value that brings to their business. Because do they want to actually continue paying for that? So maybe Oracle's not the greatest example because you know people have been doing that for years because Oracle does have these ongoing OPEX costs associated with it. But you know something weird and wonderful. We've got to be able to articulate to the business that this is what this does for you, and it's costing us X every year. Now this is interesting. This is something things you can do with cloud these days. You can say to the business, look, we can halve that cost if we switch it off from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. But it means that nobody can log in in the middle of the night to do any work. Is that an issue for you? And and are you willing to say to to your employees, no, you can't work at midnight even if you want to, um, because it, it's halving the cost. You know that's actually a really interesting conversation to be having with the business and IT asset managers are not necessarily going to be having these conversations directly with the business what they need to be doing is working with the business relationship managers that are beginning to sit within IT that become the 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 effectively like an account manager but from IT looking out into the business so the IT asset manager will have to be able to go to the business relationship managers, articulate these issues. The configuration managers are going to have to, and are going to have to be able to say, okay, look, these are the elements that make up these services, blah, blah, blah. And then the business relationship managers need to be going and having those sorts of value conversations with the business. So again, it comes back to IT asset managers, they need to know what needs to happen. They need to know who should be doing something and then they should be engaging that person to help them understand what the issues are and how they can help um, and then providing that individual with the information they need to be to be doing the right thing. And that's obvious, it sounds really idealistic, but that's the ideal of how it should work. Of course, practice is going to be a lot messier. But at least if you understand the ideal, then you can make reality closer to the ideal, closer to where it should be. Am I making any sense or am I just dribbling? <laughs> no, no, it all sounds very good. And I'm, what I'm thinking as well is that um, you could have the best designed uh, consumption in the world and link it to all of these different services, but ultimately you still get one big fat bill from Amazon um, or whoever, uh, Oracle, um, Microsoft, 
um, and it's working with them to make sure that your bill is itemized and linked to the services mm -hmm. that mean something to you as well, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So I, right. I read on LinkedIn recently you were offering tips for negotiation in an ex-ass world. Uh, mm. how, how does things differ from our normal perpetual negotiations and the typical maintenance contract negotiations? So I think I think the big thing is that in the perpetual world, the the margin on software is very very high. So it is possible to drive the cost down very low if you had the right levers to do so and that tended to be end of year because they wanted the revenue they wanted to see the revenue in this financial year rather than next financial year um the big change comes back to what i'm saying about this is physical stuff there's a physical service there's people beavering away there's clever tools beavering away to keep all this cloud stuff online and so the margins on any given sale are a lot lower so like I said, what companies want is stickiness. They don't want to just sell you software and then walk away and forget. They want to see that you're actually using this stuff or the smart ones are. Um, but equally, precisely because you are actually using stuff, you need to plan your negotiation a lot more carefully and make sure, and, it, and make sure that you include stuff like your exit plan understand what you're, how you're going to move away from this piece of software so that you can negotiate into the contract the things that you need in order to allow you to do that. If you know it's going to be a year minimum for you to migrate off that piece of software onto its replacement, then you need to make sure that you've got a clause in there that says that you've got a year to take data out. So, You've got to think very carefully about how you do that up front so that you don't paint yourself into a corner a lot further down the line. And that's also doubly important because if you want to stay with that vendor in three years' time when you're negotiating with that vendor, you have to understand what your options are in order to get the best price. It, there's going to be the renewals in, in the, over the next two to three years as a load of renewals come along after people have been three years in the cloud. It's going to be a world of pain because people are going to be stuck and they're not have going to, they're going to go into that old world of negotiation that says, oh, you know, it's May, our Microsoft, or it's April, our Microsoft agreement ends in June, let's start thinking about renewing it. Well, three months is not going to give you a BATNA by which I mean best alternative to a negotiated agreement. What your BATNA does is it says to Microsoft, we've got options. We're not just going to pay through the nose. We, we can leave, you know, we've got Google in the other room and we're about to sign a contract with them. And, and you know, we know that it can, it's going to take us about six months to, to move our data from your servers. You know, we're, we're going to do that unless you drop the price. You know, you need to be thinking about how you create those sorts of options in three years' time when you're negotiating the contract now. I, uh, Particularly if you're negotiating the contract now with an intention to use it. 
Sorry, well, go on, Martin. Kylie, I did a, uh, a webinar the other day on um, maintenance agreement, how to save money on your maintenance agreements. And we use an example mm. of a BATNA we used was actually um, Theresa May, the UK Prime Minister, when she declared that we were coming out of Europe. She said, I'd rather have a bad, uh, sorry, I'd rather have no deal than a bad deal mm. for the UK, which is your BATNA, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I'd rather go nuclear. Exactly and mm -hmm. pull out all together with nothing than have a bad deal and that's a good example of a batner mm -hmm. yeah whether you want to whether you want to whether you're a tory or not a tory whether you want to say in europe or out of europe uh it's still a good example yeah. of a batner yeah yeah and it's critical and it's not just microsoft i mean we negotiated we did a deal with um a company called ariva who, who is part of sap um and we it was a very it was it was a very complicated negotiation, but fundamentally we said to them, we can get our stuff off your systems within the next two weeks and we will do so unless you dramatically lower the price. And you know what it worked. And the reality was it would have been a push. I mean it would have been a massive stretch, but it was so important to the business that the senior IT people and, and the operating officer and the CFO were on board to say that they would put the business through the pain that it would take of unpaid invoices and uh, suppliers screening to get off Ariba in the two weeks. And that BATNA worked. We got the price that we needed. Yeah. It's very powerful. But you've got to be at, you've got to have, you've got to be convincing. You do have to actually have the plan to come off in the two weeks. And if you don't, they're going to see, well, they'll, they'll see through it. So you can't, so, so say you've, you're embedded with Office 365, you've got ECS, you've, so you're using System Center, you've got AD Premium, you've got all your mobiles on Intune. Three months is not going to get, you're not going to get off that in three months. You wouldn't even figure out where to move to. Sorry? And they know it. Exactly, exactly. Which is why Microsoft is so keen on you adopting it now, because it makes it's, it's you know their systems are very sticky. It's very difficult to leave, but you've got to be thinking about how you're going to be leaving now, so that you you can negotiate down the price in three years. So Kylie, we're recording this in um, early April. Uh, you're going to be speaking at our conference again in June, so thank you for that. So people can come and see you and meet you in, in June at our UK conference. Um, could you also give a quick plug for your BCS conference that's coming up soon? Yes, so I do stuff with the BCS Configuration Management Group, Specialist Group, on a volunteer basis. And uh, we are holding our annual conference on the 9th of May in Covent Garden in London. And it's a really unusual conference because it's got three streams. Uh, the first is DevOps, which is sort of development stuff, and actually I really don't know much about that at all. The second is configuration management, and I know an awful lot more about configuration management. Um, and the third one is SAM, software asset management. So for software asset managers, we've got some really interesting people. Um, we've got I, uh, Thomas O'Leary talking about third-party IBM support and maintenance, and we've also got uh, version one talking about Oracle in the cloud and then Rachel Ryan's doing a case study about how they introduce their AZ software store but on the configuration management side we've also got some really interesting stuff that will also be interesting 
to IT asset managers. So we've got BDNA talking about data normalization. But the most relevant for this talk today is Brian White of Civica, and he's going to be talking about software as a service and, and well, access and how you manage it. So all these topics we've discovered today, Brian is going to be presenting Civica's thinking in these areas. So it's, that will be really interesting, actually. Um, and, and, so what's, uh, what's, the, what's the date of that again, sorry? So it's the 9th of May, and it's at the BCS offices in Covent Garden. And because we're all volunteers, um, it's dirt cheap. So it's £45 plus VAT for our BCS members and £80 plus VAT for non-BCS members. So, uh, you know, if obviously there are other really great conferences that you could be going to, such as a certain conference in June. But if you struggle to justify expensive conferences and or you've got that dreaded title of service asset and configuration manager, this is a really great conference for you. So you've got the BCS conference on the 9th of May, one day conference in London, and the ITAM review conference in the 13th and 14th of June in London as well. So two great events to come along to if you're interested and want to meet Kylie. Um, Kylie Fowler of ITAM Intelligence, thank you very much for your time and we look forward to seeing you at the conference. Join us at our annual conferences in London, Florida and Sydney to learn everything you need to know about ITAM in the cloud era. For more details, head to itassetmanagement.net forward slash events.